Today on the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast. I would be lying in bed awake at night, scared to death that once all this is gone, everyone's going to go back to the way things were pre-COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the first 30 to 45 days of this COVID mad dash, we had a lot of the same thoughts. The idea that we could, in some future date, remove this convenience, just I don't think is realistic anymore. It's long time for the testing industry to have its Netflix moment. Here is Michael Hainsworth. Proctor U knows how to be nimble. The online testing startup always knew the future would be flexible, but after seeing almost a decade's worth of growth over a few months, founder and chief strategy officer Jared Morgan tells us, being proactive saved the 12 year success story from stumbling out of the physical distancing gate. But how does a startup prioritize new opportunities while keeping existing clients happy? Morgan says the challenges have changed, but the approach hasn't. You know, it was interesting. We had some technology challenges and constraints that are that feel silly and quaint today. But back in 2008, one of the initial issues was that not everybody had a webcam. Um, back in 2008, you know, laptops, computers, desktop computers, it just wasn't normal for you to have a built-in webcam. And so one of the initial technology things that we had to, to get over was the, the availability of cameras. Within a year or so of starting, we actually had a, you know, a shift and we saw more computers actually have those built in, which was really helpful for us as we expanded. We feel like technology has really moved our way. We were very fortunate to kind of be skating to where the puck was going to be, so to speak. And um, we, we've really benefited from being kind of where the, the market was going to go. Skating to where the puck is going to be certainly appeals to this Canadian hockey fan. Usually I use baseball analogies, but that <laughs> but a hockey one will work in this scenario. Do you have a sense as to where that puck is going when it comes to COVID-19? Because when the pandemic first hit, Tell me how your team responded, and then let's talk about where you see that puck going. Yeah, the first we heard about COVID-19 was still when it was in China. And interestingly enough, before it really became a global thing, we had organizations that we were working with that had a significant presence in Asia and were trying to make plans to continue to serve that market if this thing they were hearing about, this COVID thing, um, really became a problem. And quickly, as we all know, it became a global issue. And we went from um, serving Asian markets to figuring out how to be ready to serve the entire world. I think the industry was really, like the rest of the world, was really caught off guard. Um, We've been spending, you know, Proctor U was created back in 2008, and we have been spending the last 12 years telling people that the way that we administer a test is the future of how testing is gonna go. And suddenly, because of COVID, the future became immediate, it was now, because there was a lack of a physical alternative. And so the reaction from schools and from learning programs, testing programs and certification programs that we worked with was uh, initially panic, right? There was, everything had to move online. Um, There was a lot of confusion. And what we had to do was try to streamline our process, and this all happened as um, our own offices at Proctor U started to to close, and we went to remote, and all of us were working at home. So it was it was very interesting for the Proctor U team to be busier than we had ever been in our 12 year history, and yet not able to go into the office, right? And we everybody kind of went to triage mode because we had an influx of need that we saw in the market. 
um, that we just had to answer because these programs really, really needed help making sure that people that were mid-semester were able to complete their degrees or if they had, uh, you know, there was a licensure exam that needed to happen so people could continue to move through their career. These things had to happen and they had to happen in a timely way. And so what we had to do was figure out how do we get these people online quickly so that everybody that gets a grade or gets a credential in this era, it's just as valid as the ones that were given back in January or back in 2019, right? We wanna make sure that people that graduate or get credits or get a certification in this era are looked at just the same as you would have looked at them in 2019. So once you move from a reactive state, how do you make your company proactive? Is this just a function of more is more or does your strategy need to be more nuanced? You know, I think it's gotta be nuanced. I mean, you gotta, the way to grow a business is to really deeply understand your consumer and understand the people that work with your company. And so what we have tried to do is really plug into the planning conversations that are going on with universities that are going on with certification programs and all of us kind of read what's coming out of the media and the news and the world in real time and figure out what does the next 12 months really look like? And we'll hear one thing, what do we really think is going to happen? And what, if we think that we're going to have um, universities go back to campus in the fall, um, what backup plans do we have so that we're not in the same situation we were in when we were in the spring and had to all sprint to some kind of uh, hybrid version without a lot of planning. So what we've been really trying to do, particularly with our higher ed clients is most of them are all trying some sort of either hybrid or in-person uh, attempt at a, at a semester in the fall. We need to have conversations with them and have levers to pull and dates and deadlines that we need to pull them by so that if we need to move quickly online, we have plans, we have instructions to hand out to both faculty and students so that all of them can get online. So it's about being prepared uh, for what happens. Now we were lucky in the sense that we had been building ProctorU to be able to withstand all sorts of things. So we, instead of having uh, a single location where our workers are, we have 16 different locations in eight countries um, that are uh, that are capable of, of having workers um, connect to a student there. And what that allows us to do is, you know, if, if there's a particular area that gets overcome with an outbreak or has a lockdown, we can shift our workload as that organization goes remote. Um, and it allows us to stay up. And we've been able to stay up this entire time during the, the COVID crisis because of that flexibility. Now, I'd like to say we were really smart and saw the pandemic coming. We didn't. We actually built that kind of infrastructure because we had had experiences with natural disasters and hurricanes and things like that that had brought facilities offline. Um, we started the year with about 300 proctors. We've now got well over 1,000. And it's a lot easier for us to hire as we do it in multiple locations than it is to try to do that in one. So having a culture of being proactive was really helpful for us when a crisis hit, but you can't really stop there. We had to kind of look outward and say, what's the next 12 months gonna look like? And how do we work with our clients to make sure that if they need us in short, in a short run, that we're ready to, to take them in. What is the most valuable lesson you've learned over the past few months from having to rapidly scale up like that? I think we've learned that everybody is not at the same place 
um, both mentally and both uh, organizationally when it comes to sort of this global shift online. You know, we've had everything in culture has really moved from a very analog experience to an online experience over the last 20 to 30 years. And education and learning, not everyone was at the same place. Uh, some organizations had been very forward thinking, and this was a relatively relatively easy shift for some organizations because they already had a portion of their uh, organization online. For, for companies, for um, certification bodies, for universities that were still at the very beginning stages of understanding this, um, it was a real challenge just getting people to wrap their head around what it takes to actually move something online properly. And what was interesting, and, and one of the things that we observed in the first, I would say, 60 to 90 days of this was we started having conversations that we hadn't had in almost a decade because there was an entire new population moving into the digital world that just hadn't really played in that space before. And some of the conversations were as simple as why would you need to have someone ensure that someone is not cheating on an exam? Or why would uh, why would people cheat on an exam? Or do people actually do people actually cheat on an exam? And we thought that was just so strange because um, to us it was uh, it was a no brainer, right? I mean, of course people cheat on an exam. That's just part of the human condition, right? There is, is as long as there's been education, there's been a group of people that will look for shortcuts. Um, but we actually had to go through and work through that conversation with people. Luckily in 2020, we have enough data, just not just from us, but from people in the industry, like the National College Testing Association, that have a lot of data about why students cheat and when they feel more motivated to cheat or when they feel justified that it's really not that wrong. Um, and we've been able to kind of work through that, but the learning curve that had to happen in the span of really 30 to 60 days for these people to get online was pretty remarkable. And, and you just don't know where everybody is in their, you know, migration online or their acceptance of, of doing that. How do you prioritize new opportunities? I can imagine you've got a lot of opportunity coming in the door. What goes to the top of the list? Well, it's a, good, it's a great question. I mean, we have had a, a, just a tremendous influx of need coming in from the market. We want to treat everybody the same. And we want to make sure that the people that have been with us, the organizations that have been with us for years, um, have uh, feel, feel just as uh, serviced and welcome as the newer organizations that are coming in with very big programs now. In order to do that, we've had to rapidly expand our capacity. People generally think of proctors when we say that, but it's been more than that. It's been people inside of ProctorU, what we call like program managers and customer support workers and everybody that it takes to stand up and manage these kinds of programs. We've had organizations come online with us that probably would have taken, uh, it probably would have taken us 10 years to get to a place where we're at the level of usage that we are now. Um, a couple of them in particular, uh, such as like the GRE and TOEFL exam, which are really widely used around the world, we went from zero to uh, a material, material amount of their testing uh, in a rapid span of time because of the lack of options. And so making sure that we have the capacity ready for them, making sure that we have not just the proctoring capacity, but also the support personnel took a big move from our HR departments and all the hiring that we had to do. We're 
happy that we've been able to provide a lot of really great landing spots for talented, smart people that have found themselves displaced in a job uh, through the middle of this. We've been a great uh, landing spot for a lot of talent. So how do you scale up when there is the potential need to scale down once COVID-19 passes? If I were in your shoes, I would be lying in bed awake at night, scared to death that once this is gone, everyone's going to go back to the way things were in 1987. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think probably the first 30 to 45 days of this COVID mad dash, we had a lot of the same thoughts. I think what we have seen over the summer is a gradual realization by the market, by our clients, by us, that I don't think that we're going to see a whiplash effect back to the way things were. I think we have fundamentally changed the world, really, but certainly the industries that we work in. The reasons that we say that is that what we're hearing from the market is we've now introduced the concept that it is acceptable and okay to test at home online and you can do it securely. And the idea that we could, in some future date, remove this convenience just I don't think is realistic anymore. For certain, there's going to be a period of time, even after we, you know, maybe get a vaccine and people start um, to take it, there's going to be a period of time where people will probably still be uncomfortable going to uh, an exam hall where there could be 50 to 100 people jam-packed in that room. So there'll be a period of time where just public perception probably still still steers people online. But ultimately, when, when we get on the other side of this, which is what we're all hoping and praying for, we feel like uh, the, the convenience, all of the reasons why people used ProctorU and online testing prior to the COVID um, era is going to be readily apparent that, that that sea change has happened, that you need to touch uh, a group of test takers that are in a location where there isn't a place that they can go to actually physically take an exam, we can test them as long as they have a reliable internet connection. And so it used to be you'd have people that needed to take a certification exam that might have to drive two and three hours to get to a physical location. Now that we've proven that you can scale online testing securely and in a way that everybody can believe in, those people should not have to drive that distance anymore. And we don't think that people are going to accept driving two and three hours to take an exam once they've had this massive unintentional case study on how well it can work online. The explosion of digital communications tools has shone the spotlight on security. You've brought it up multiple times already, but privacy too as as well. Let's talk about hurdles and how one overcomes them with a client, regardless as to what kind of business you're in. How did you telegraph to a potential client that you're secure, that you're private, when nobody really knows if it's true until it's not? That's a great question. I mean, it's something that, you know, the whole world is really grappling with what digital privacy and digital security really looks like. In the last couple of years, you've seen um, GDPR come out uh, across the, you know, from from Europe, but really governing the whole world. In the United States, we've seen CCPA and other um, states actually have their own set of rules. And so um, I think it's a very... Uh, good and justified uh, process for people to be looking at what is the right way to deal with private information. And our philosophy has always been to hold only the necessity. um, And the organizations that we work with are actually the controllers of the data. They're the ones that tell us how long we should hold it, what we should do with it, and all of that. Um, It's about making sure that we know the rules, we know the laws and we do things both legally, but also ethically and thinking through what is the right way to do this. I think the whole 
world and lots of technology companies are all dealing with both of those issues, what's legal and what's ethical. And um, we have worked really hard to make sure that we're involved in that conversation and really trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. Not, like I said, not just legally, but what's ethical? What, what do the markets actually want us to be able to do with the data? And because of that, we created something called the Student Bill of Rights for, for education or higher education users. And that Student Bill of Rights, um, you can actually view online. And it is a set of uh, beliefs and things that you should expect from any organization that is working with educational data. And we started it as um, really a starting place to start a conversation with both students and users and administrators to really figure out what's a rapidly evolving space and what's correct. And we've got it out there and it's open for comment um, so that we can, uh, rather than try to come up with our own answers, we'd really like to engage with the markets that we serve and figure out, again, what's both legal and ethical. So there has been so much talk about how COVID will permanently change society. And I think we've touched on a, a bit of this here and there. What do you see as the future of education and testing? Well, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, we've been telling people for 12 years that online testing is the future. And um, because of the COVID situation, uh, the future became immediate than now. For higher education, you're going to see a blending of physical and online learning. And there's already a lot of that in the industry where you see blended programs. Um, but we think you're going to see more of that, right? You're going to see um, you have the ability to attend online, you have the ability to attend on campus, and those things are a lot more interchangeable than they've been in the past. For certification programs, you know, if you think about the way that we proctor, we proctor exams online, right? We have someone sit at home and then you connect with one of our professionals and we're going to help you take the exam, monitor, make sure that all the rules are followed. There's no reason why you should have to go back to a physical location. Um, and we think that the, the market is ready for that. We think that it's long time for the testing industry to have its Netflix moment, right? So if you think about the test center model that's been around for a long time, it's very much like going to a blockbuster video and renting a video. And what we do with online testing is very much uh, like Netflix. And we think people now want that, expect that. People have busy lives. They don't have time to take days off of work and drive somewhere and, you know, have to go in physically and, and take an exam. We, we allow people to take an exam 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all days of the year. They can take it after the kids are in bed. They can take it when they're done studying. It's a much more convenient way to take an exam. And it makes a lot of sense to do that in a world that values convenience now. I love the Netflix analogy, but the scholastic child in me just had a whole heart attack at the thought of binge testing. <laughs> That's a level of overachiever I don't think we see very often for sure. <laughs> Subscribe to the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast with Michael Hainsworth at CIBC.com slash innovation banking.